0: This is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to be the end days and the three scriptural um, passages that cover three aspects of the last days. But first, the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, All that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. This topic is truly a gift from Lord Jesus and His Blessed Mother, because honestly speaking, I've been doing this podcast for almost a year. Uh, yes, I know it's under two separate names, but whatever. Um, and this this topic never occurred to me. Although one of the major messages that run throughout both of my my podcast channels is the need to prepare yourself spiritually. And just to make it clear, I'm not saying the world's going to end tomorrow. I'm not saying that the Great Tribulation or the Great Reset or whatever is going to happen like in five minutes. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is, you need to prepare yourself spiritually. It doesn't matter if, you know, um, the Great Reset doesn't happen for 10 years. It doesn't matter if the uh, Great Tribulation doesn't happen in 20 years, till 20 years. You could die at any time. Bottom line, you could die at any time. And when you die, your will is fixed. That's why I. I've been um, saying ad nauseum prepare yourself spiritually because you never know when you're going to die. Now the three oh one other thing too before I get started on the on the uh, topic at hand I did say in an, an earlier episode I wasn't going to put um resources in my show notes unless it was really necessary i think in this case it's going to be really necessary so for the group for the three gospel readings that i'm going to be or i'm sorry scriptural readings that i'm going to be using i am going to put those in the show notes The translation, I'm going to read the passages themselves just to give you a flavor of what they're talking about. I'm going to be taking it from the Knox version. Um, I'm sorry, the Knox Catholic Bible. Uh, It was written by Monsignor uh, Ronald Knox, uh, I want to say like in the 40s. So was pre-Vatican II, although like anything else, it's a mixed bag. I found some problematic um, translations. I, You know, um, it appears to me that when Monsignor Knox did his Bible, he was trying to he was trying to um, stick to the the flavor of the Dewey Rames, but put it in a way that modern people can understand. Problem with that is, is I found a couple passages, at least in the New Testament, where the Dewey Rames translation actually, (laughs) at, at least as far as I can tell, actually gets the flavor of what the, the, gospel, uh, the passage in particular is trying to say. Anyhow. I'm going to be doing them in this order. The first scriptural reading is going to be the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 24, verses 3 through 13. And this is the historical this will be this historical um i don't this the this is his historical um points that will that'll kind of lead up to the end of days the second reading is from the gospel according to St Luke chapter 12 verses 1 through 8. This is more or less spiritual instructions um for true Catholics on how, you know, how to prepare yourself for the last days. And then the last one will be the um St. Paul's Epistle, 2nd Epistle to St. Timothy, um, chapter 3, and I want to say 1 through probably either 6 or 7. And this is going to come uh, cover the society and the personal... Um, attitudes of people in the last days. So let's get started. You're going to have to be patient for me. I've got the passages uh, bookmarked, but obviously I'm going to have to go through and, uh, Okay. So this is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, uh, chapter 24, verses 3-13. Then Jesus left the temple and was going on his way when his disciples came up to show him the view of the temple building. Do you see all this? He said to them. Believe me, there will not be one stone left on another in this place. He's talking about the destruction of the temple, which did happen 30 years after his death. It will all be thrown down. Afterwards, he was sitting down on Mount Avalet. The disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this be? And what sign will be given of your coming? and of the world being brought to an end. Jesus answered them, Take care that you do not allow anyone to deceive you. Many will come and make use of my name. They will say, I am the Christ, and many will be deceived by it. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See to it that you are not disturbed in mind. Such things happen, but but the end will not come yet. Nation will rise in arms against nations Kingdom against kingdom There will be plagues, famines, earthquakes In this region or that But all this is but the beginning of the travail Travail just means uh, the problems In those days men will give you up to persecution And they will put you to death All the world will be hating you because you bear my name Whereupon many will lose heart and will betray and hate another. Many false prophets will arise and many will be deceived by them. And the charity of most men will grow cold as they see wickedness abound everywhere. But that man will be saved who endures to the last. This is the gospel of the kingdom must first be preached all over the world. So that all nations may hear the truth and only after that will the end come. Now, you gotta take this for what it's worth. This is just my observations on the passage. I'm not claiming any authority here. This is just what I'm seeing by this by these passages. So, in the first part, Jesus is predicting, or I'm sorry, Jesus is prophesying about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem which was the center of Jewish religious uh, worship. As I said before, um, the temple and Jerusalem were destroyed in uh, 66 AD, which was approximately 33 years after he was crucified and ascended into heaven. He talks about wars. Um, Anybody... You don't even need to be a student of history to know that wars Had been going on even before Jesus uh, was crucified and resurrected. And they, they're still going on now. Um, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, and now uh, Ukraine. plagues, famines, earthquakes, natural disasters. These two have been going on for a long time. And he says at the beginning of the end of days, men will turn over the true Catholics for persecution. Since the devil pretty much is the spirit of this world. Um, Heretics and schismatics, he's not worried about those guys because actually those guys are actually doing his work. He will eventually turn against them, but he's going to go after the people who are preaching the truth first before he goes after the people who are basically doing his work. And anybody who's ever studied totalitarianism will tell you that um, the first thing that a uh, totalitarian uh, movement does is they go after their real opponents first. Once the real opponents are dealt with, they turn on each other. And he says that the world will hate you because you bear my name. Um, well, honestly, Catholicism has been marked since the Protestant Revolt. Um, you know, um, the sad part about this is, is It started out with the Protestants and then it moved as society became more secular, thanks to the Satanic uh, Masonics, then the secular society turned against the true Catholic Church. And then he talks about whereupon many will lose heart and will betray and hate one another. Now, I wish I could say that... By the way, just as a quick aside, in all Scripture, there are many levels, many layers of meaning within the passages themselves. That's why I'm not claiming any uh, authority here. But he talks about how... Um, Many will lose heart and betray and hate one another. He's talking about true Catholics. And... Even before the Protestant Revolt... You had actual Catholics... Betraying... Each other... Out of jealousy... And resentment. I mean... There's the example of St. Joan of Arc. England was a a Catholic nation, and yet they put her to death for heresy because she successfully helped drive them out of France. You have the um, example of St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, who were, um, at least in the case of St. John of the Cross, he was actually uh, arrested by the spanish inquisition because they thought that he was teaching innovation when in fact he was doing nothing of a sort and saint teresa of avila i believe ran afoul of her local uh, bishop bishop this was this was before the protestant revolt and then obviously afterward um, there were uh, plenty of people within the One True Catholic Church who tried to make accommodations with the world because they lost their heart. and They said, "Oh, we can't fight against the world, we need to accommodate it. Many false prophets will arise. Well, <laughs> let's look at The Protestant Revolt Luther, Calvin, Knox Henry VIII To name a few And many will be deceived By them Once again And by the way This also includes the Protestant Two sect I'm sorry, well they are the Protestants But I meant to say the um, Vatican Two sect Which is as I never get tired of saying, it's uh, Protestantism with a Catholic facade. These guys actually infiltrated the one true Catholic church and took over the institutions from within and subtly, at the beginning, did it in such a way that they were preaching Protestant heresies, but it wasn't blatant. Now, obviously, nowadays, it's very blatant, but back when in the beginning, it wasn't. And the charity of most men will grow cold as they see wickedness abound everywhere. And what he's talking about here is, and this is... When he talks about charity in in the in the Greek in the Greek it's agape which is love but it could also be used as charity and it just means love of your neighbor and the love of God Now obviously the love of God and neighbor has been growing cold and I suspect it's going to get even worse now. Um, Because people people because they're they're not trying to submit themselves to the will of God will go on surface level and everything will, will appear to be going to pardon the expression, hell in a handbasket. And, you know, because they don't, they're not submitted to God's will, they can't, they, they won't know how to deal with it. But the man who will be saved will be the one who endures to the last. The gospel of the kingdom must first be preached all over the world so that all nations may hear the truth after that, the end will come. That, um, that is a, uh, that is, uh, that is a, uh, a theological end times, uh, passage um but at its base what it's saying is is that the person who tries to do who tries to do God's will and stay close to God no matter what happens to the day he dies whether he's murdered or dies in natural causes will be saved and will make it into heaven um the last part, I'm not. I'm not going to give an observation on. I'm not qualified. So the second passage is Saint Luke, uh, the Gospel according to Saint Luke, uh, chapter twelve, verses one through eight. And this has to do with spiritual instruction. And. Okay. And now great multitudes had gathered around him, so that they trod on one another. And that they trod one another down, and he addressed himself first to his disciples. Have nothing to do with eleven of the Pharisees, he said. It is all hypocrisy. What is veiled oh, I'm sorry, what is veiled will be revealed. What is hidden will be known. What you have said in darkness will be repeated in the light of day. What you have whispered in the secret chambers will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say this to you, who are my friends. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. After that, they can do no more. I will tell you who it is you must, that you must fear. Fear him who has the po- power not only to kill but cast a man into hell. Him you must fear indeed. Are not sparrows sold for for two pence, and yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight? As for you, he takes every hair of your head into reckoning. Do not be afraid of them, I'm sorry, do not be afraid then, you count more than a host of sparrows. And I tell you this, whoever acknowledges me before men will be acknowledged by the Son of Man in the presence of God's angels. He who disowns me before men will be disowned before God's angels. There is no one who speaks a word against the Son of Man but find forgiveness. There will be no forgiveness for the man who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. Alright, so in this passage he's giving spiritual instruction. And in this case, it wasn't just for the end of days, it was for all serious Catholics what they should do in the time of persecution and martyrdom. And he starts off by saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. As I said in an earlier episode, um, the reason he gave the Pharisees such a hard time was because at the heart they were um, hypocrites. So he's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Be sincere. Be sincere and be zealous and faithful. Now, He says what is veiled will be revealed and what is hidden will become known and what you said in darkness will be repeated in the light of day and what you whispered in secret chambers will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now what he's saying here is he's not just talking about his disciples. In other words, if his his disciples are... Teaching to small groups or privately what they will teach will be spread everywhere. But he's also talking about the enemies of his church, their plots, their plans, their their secret uh, their secret uh plans to undermine and overthrow his church here. Uh, in on earth is also going to be revealed so he's not just saying you know that true Catholics are not going to be the only ones who their teachings are going to be made to a larger audience he's also saying the enemies of the church what they've done is going to be made uh, plain to the rest of the world and then this is most important. And this is directed for people go, oh, coming. Uh, I'm sorry. This is directed at the Catholics who are going to either be persecuted or martyred. He said, He says that do not be afraid of. And he's talking about human beings who could kill the body. And. You know, obviously, I, I shouldn't have to explain what that means. It's pretty clear. You know, don't be afraid of a person, of a human being who can kill you. He said, fear him who has the power not only to kill you, but to cast a man into hell. So, in other words, if you're living a um, a, non- a non-righteous or an indifferent life toward God, then you are going to be cast into hell. God will will kill you and send you into hell. And when he talks about the sparrows, he's just saying God looks after God's uh, creatures. And when I say creatures, human beings are creatures too, but I'm talking about the lower ones, the animals, the plants. He takes care of them. He's going to take care of his human beings too. And so if he's taking care of them, if you're being righteous and um, sincere in your belief, he's going to take care of you. And the last part was kind of aimed at the Pharisees, although people after the Pharisees also did the same thing. What he's saying here is, is um. If it's if, if somebody um, like myself, I'll use myself as enemy. If somebody is God's enemy on earth but repents and says, I was wrong, I'm, I'm going to follow you now, they will be forgiven. But if somebody, he's talking about the Holy Ghost, he says blasphemes against the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, was using the powers of the Holy Ghost in order to perform miracles. This was kind of aimed at the Pharisees because they were telling people, oh, no, 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 this isn't from God. He's doing it by the power of Satan. He's saying that there's no forgiveness for people that are are taking obvious miracles coming from the Holy Ghost and trying to say that, um, you know, no, 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 this isn't the Holy Ghost, this is uh, demons. That's considered a blasphemy. Okay, the third scriptural reading is from the second epistle of Saint Paul to Timothy or Saint Timothy um, Chapter three one through one through five. So be sure of this. That in the world's last age, there are perilous times coming. Men will be in love with themselves, in love with money, boastful, proud, abusive, without reverence for their parents, without gratitude, without scruple, without love, without peace, slanderers, incontinent. And basically when he's saying incontinent, he just means that they're not consistent in their behavior. Strangers to pity and to kindness. Treacherous, reckless, full of vain conceit, thinking rather of their pleasures than of God. They will preserve all outward forms of religion, although they have long been strangers to its meaning. So, this is is pretty straight up. I mean if you can't see any of this, and by the way, I'm I'm going to go back to what uh, Father Bernard Utley said in his Spiritual Life podcast. This This is just not an apologetics passage. This is meant for us. If everything that I just listed here, if you're honest enough to say, well, I'm kind of that way, then, you know, then there's you need to change that. But to um, just think, yeah, everybody else is like this and not me, you're wrong. Now, the last part is, they will pref- preserve all outward form of religion, although long having been strangers to its meaning. Now, what he's talking about here, he's not just talking about, he's not just talking about like the her- heretical Protestants and Vatican II sex and the Neotrads. He's also talking to a certain segment of Set of a Contest. And having dealt with these, not all, but a certain segment of them, it's dead on. You know, these are the these are the people who, because they have the right religion, are puffed up and complacent and um, self-righteous, and think that you know they're literally like the Pharisees. Oh, I have the right religion; I'm going to heaven. And the right, you know, like I said in my earlier episodes. If you're a set of a contest and you're not any acting any differently than your secular neighbors, you got an issue there. And if you don't fix it, um, you're going to have to answer for it in your personal judgment. So, this is the three scriptural readings of the last days. Like I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't literally does not matter when the last days come. If they come tomorrow, they don't happen for 15 years, 25 years or 50 years. It does not matter. What matters is, is that we get our spiritual house in order so that if we should die Early, that we are spiritually prepared to meet our literal maker and you know, hopefully get into heaven. So, that's it. I want to thank you for giving me a little over 30 minutes of your time, I do appreciate it. And once again, don't care if you don't agree with me. If you gave me 30 minutes of your time, I'll take it. And I hope and pray that you get something out of this. I really do. Because those three passages are more important now. Well, they've always been important, but whether we like it or not, we are going to be living in those times. And anybody, you know, anybody who thinks that they can slide by is going to be sorely mistaken. I do care about you guys, and I pray for everyone, and I'd like to see as many people get into heaven. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.
1: The des et des mona qui que la prime servi herre We are not happy, it's Shivanes, yes, we're good, and sets. We're good, As Ashu, for metre for the prison, by the infinite sin passion, or or Atroise et l'eat un jour mis, <laughs> ser un saflin hur, un de la venganza de un fumil, la furlume vime Per Moises, qui gis tel butte sinaie, a Sara dit de là, son fils Melancthon, la